Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Before we get started with today's show, I just want to remind you guys that Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the Final Four and the championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. Again, that's believe. B-L-E-A-V. That spells believe. Make sure you guys go ahead to betonline.ag where the game starts. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Believe in UCLA football podcast. I am James Williams a co-host for the show and also an editor and reporter for the Orange County Register. We're doing something a little bit different this week, especially in the spirit of March Madness. We have former UCLA basketball player and coach Larry Farmer joining the show today. I had a great conversation with him and just kind of talked to him about his new book that he has, uh, The Role of a Lifetime, Larry Farmer and the UCLA Bruins. And we also dive into some other things, a little bit about his career, what he's learned from John Wooden, and also what his thoughts are on the NCAA tournament that's currently taking place. And we just, you know, we kind of cover a lot of the stuff from back in the day. We cover some new stuff, some current stuff. It was a great conversation. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I will have a link to his book if you're interested about that in the description for this podcast. So make sure you check it out. But here it is, my conversation with Larry Farmer. All right, and welcome, everybody. I am here with Larry Farmer, former UCLA player and coach. Larry, how you doing? Good, James. Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Can't complain. Um, I, like, I, like I told you before we started the show, I was excited to do this. Uh, usually I'm talking a lot more football, but obviously uh, being in the spirit of March Madness, um, and, and I can go on and on about my bracket, Larry, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about it later. Because I was feeling pretty good about myself until until Sunday when I had Houston and Alabama um, let me down. But that's another story. <laughs> but anyways, Larry, we're here to talk about you. We're here to talk about the book, um, A Role of a Lifetime. A good read from what I've, I've been able to read so far. Obviously, with all the games and stuff going on, my my attention is split. Um, <laughs> but but I've enjoyed the book that I've read so far. And do you mind just telling me a little bit about the book? What inspired you to kind of... To, to write a book because I know it's not an easy process. No, no, it, it's not <laughs> an easy process. And then I thought about um, writing it probably 30 years um, and it took COVID and shutting everything down. Mm-hmm. Where I decided, well, I, I've got nothing else to do. Maybe I ought to concentrate <laughs> on this. You know, the book is a, is a look into the UCLA basketball dynasty uh, through my eyes. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt like I had a unique uh, insight uh, because I played for Coach Wooden during, you know, the dynasty years. And then what kind of made my story unique is I went back and I worked on his staff for a year as a graduate assistant. And then I was an assistant coach for the three coaches that immediately followed Coach Wooden. So it was kind of the dynasty and then 
the post dynasty. Mm-hmm. And seven years later, um, you know, after he retired, then I became uh, the head coach myself at age 30. So it just kind of gave a different perspective, a different look mm-hmm. at basketball. And I thought it would be a good story to tell. And there's a lot of different places we can go just based off the things that you said there. One thing that stuck out to me for you as someone who both played at UCLA and got to coach, what did you think the role was uh, when you were a player of a coach and how much different was being in that coaching seat after when you realized, oh, <laughs> there's maybe a lot more to this than, than I thought? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, uh, having played for, for Coach Wooden, got a really good idea about what teaching was like on the basketball court. And because that was, um, you know, that was my real introduction into big time basketball, that set the foundation for, you know, just about everything I would do as a coach, you know, when I decided, you know, that would be the career that I would, that I, that I'd chosen for myself. Mm-hmm. And so what better, um, what better person to copy <laughs> is a pro, you know, than, than coach Wooden, but there's, there's nothing, um, as an assistant, there's really nothing that prepares you for moving over that one seat when instead of making suggestions, you know, everything stops at your door and mm-hmm. you're the bottom line and you're going to get all the credit, but you're also going to get all the blame. Right. And so it was, um, it was quite an experience to get prepared for it, but you're never quite as prepared for anything until, you know, you've got both feet in. Mm-hmm. And maybe even after you have both feet in, maybe a year <laughs> or two after that, where you where you kind of go through some things and and you know there there's academics and different things you got to worry about got got to get the kids grades and everything in order. One question for me, obviously, Wooden was a uh, a little before my time. So one thing I'm kind of curious about, obviously, in today's age, um, you know, you have Greg Popovich with with the Spurs, you know, Phil Jackson, you have Coach K and and the run he had with Duke. Was John Wooden was he like did did everyone know he was like was he treated and and kind of viewed as this legend? And how did you kind of where what was his status or, or what how was he being kind of talked about when you were a player? Did you know you were playing for someone who you know would would is held in such high regard in basketball even to this day? Um, no, and and that's a great question because Coach Wooden was such a down to earth person. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that you've ever read about his humility, you know how he conducted himself. You've seen a copy of the Pyramid of Success. Um, you know, the behaviors uh, that it takes to be successful. That's how he lived his life. And so, you know, he was our coach. Um, He obviously was, you know, winning a lot of games and winning a lot of championships, but he never held himself um, uh, in high esteem or, you know, walked around with any kind of a swagger. You know, he demanded that we as players didn't, you know, we weren't boastful or braggarts. And so it wasn't until after we finished playing for him that you realize, you know, what right. we had, what he had accomplished. And, you know, I've seen polls taken where they rate Coach Wooden as the greatest coach of all time in any sport. Hey, everybody, just wanted to take a quick break to remind you guys that the football season is right around the corner. And when you're headed out to the Rose Bowl, what better shirt to wear than a Believe in UCLA football podcast shirt? By doing that, you're going out, you're going to the game, you're supporting your team. And you're supporting your favorite podcast at the same time. Some of the proceeds go back to the podcast and help support the content and the different things that we have planned going forward. So what better way to, again, support your team and your favorite podcast than by picking up the shirts? Now, where can you find these shirts? They're available at the Believe Network store. 
and we made it very easy for you. Scroll down on this podcast. Check out the description. I got two links there for you for two different shirts. Make sure you check them out. Find the one that's right for you. And hopefully I see you wearing them out at the game. I'd love to see you wear them. Going back to the book a little bit. Chapter one, Game of the Century. Why why was that the first chapter for you? It, it, you know, thinking about when UCLA came onto my radar, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a junior in high school and I have yet to start on the JB team. Now, I would okay. eventually start on the JB team as a junior and move all the way up to becoming a varsity starter. But at the mm-hmm. time, this game of the century was played. I was still coming off the bench on the JB team. And this was a huge um, a media event. Uh, there was no ESPN back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> and have a game on national on national television mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't an NCAA tournament game. This was the first. And they had Houston and Elvin Hayes ranked number two in the country, UCLA, and then uh, Lou Alcindor, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The two best teams in the country were going to face off on national TV, prime time. And so my high school coach told all of us players, you know, you got to watch this game because this is big time basketball. This is what you should all aspire to be. And so I started the book there because I'm sitting in the den with my mom and dad, and we're watching this game, and UCLA loses. I mean, they Mm. don't win. They lose it. And there was just a feeling. It just came over me. I was sad because I felt like we had lost. We could have played better. And I turned to my parents, and I said, I'm going to go to UCLA. Mm -hmm. Dead silent. My dad finally said, well, you're really going to have to work hard if you're going to play in a place like that. And that's where that dream started. So that's why I started the book there. And I think that's why even today, when, when you hear a game is on national television or, you know, obviously the Super Bowl, the Final Four, or the championship game, they're held in such high regard. And, and they're like, hey, this is everybody's watching. And it seems like that that's exactly what the case was for you. And they got your hook, line and sinker. And, and obviously, that's why it's such a big deal for some of these teams to kind of make it to the final just because the brand exposure and everything. And I mean, they weren't probably throwing around brand exposure and and, and all these other things. So the, the degree they are now, but, you know, watching it on TV played a significant part in in putting that UCLA colors and, and, and name in front of you, right? No question. And because it was such big time basketball, a large segment of the population, mm-hmm. there was no other sports competition. So if you were watching basketball that night, you watched UCLA play Houston. Those two teams would meet later in the um, semifinals for the national championship. And UCLA jumped out by 25 in the first half. So it was never a game. But by that time, I was sure that I was I was going to figure out a way to get to UCLA. And, and everything came together. And you'll enjoy that part of the book. It just lined up. And there I went. Um, very nice. Very nice. And and maybe we'll save some of, of what my next question is, is maybe for 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 those who go ahead and they can pick up the book. But I'm kind of I'm kind of curious, Larry, like, you know, again, I cover a lot of UCLA football and I keep my eye on the basketball stuff and recruiting NIL, like all this stuff is a big part of it now. Right. What, what was it like for you to be recruited? Like what 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 is the recruiting process? How did, how are you getting recruited or getting offers? Like how, how does this stuff kind of play out? Well, you know, back in those days, recruiting was different. Um, you mm-hmm. know, now it's it's it, everybody recruits nationally. And and back in those days, it was more regional. Now, UCLA could recruit just about anybody, but most of the out-of-state players at that time that came to UCLA, unless you were 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, who was out of state. Um, but most of the recruits that were from out of state wrote UCLA and expressed an interest in going there. Also, James, back in those days, you weren't limited to five visits. You could take as many visits mm -hmm. as you wanted. Mm -hmm. So I had never been on an airplane before I started taking recruiting what? visits. Right. <laughs> so I was going there some, every week. I was someplace different. Yeah, you're living it up. Yep. Yeah. I don't yeah, blame you. It, it was really exciting because there was a whole world out there. And, and uh, you know, you're meeting coaches and you're meeting players on the team. You're seeing campuses. And I knew I was going to go to college at that point. I knew I was going to get a scholarship. And then it all came down to, okay, the fun of this is over. Now you got to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And and we're, was it a, you know, obviously when you're younger and you're seen on national TV and UCLA looks like the place, but once you start taking the trips, and that's kind of what I've learned kind of covering some of the recruiting is like, you know, some athletes have their dream school, but sometimes it doesn't always align right or just because you love the school the school might not have that same and whatever whatever did it end up becoming maybe a harder decision than you thought when it came time to make a decision no because ucla was was the last visit that i took okay. and it just worked out that way mm -hmm. when i got off the airplane in los angeles and i saw the 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 palm trees mm -hmm. and the, the assistant coaches at that time were Denny Crum, you know, Hall of Fame coach from Louisville. He was in this Gary Cunningham who later coached at UCLA. And they picked me up at the airport, took me to dinner. And then the first thing that I saw in LA, they took me up sunset strip and took me to Hollywood Boulevard. Yep. So I could promise <laughs> between you and me, I was ready to sign then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Right, right, right. They got you. See, they they got you. They they knew what they're doing. I'd be kind of curious if they. You know, so so now, when you get into recruiting as a coach, do you kind of did you kind of did you kind of follow that same kind of template of how they recruited you? Did you do that, or or how different did it when you started recruiting? Absolutely, did I follow the same template? We would pick up a recruit, uh, take them to the hotel, get them checked in at UCLA, mm -hmm. take. Uh, just drive them around campus, you know, and show them where uh, Bel Air, Beverly Hills, mm -hmm. Sunset Strip. We go all the way to Grandma's Chinese Theater, mm -hmm. park the car, get out, and we walk around Grandma's Chinese. I figured if it worked for me as an out-of-state student, yep. it was going to those guys. <laughs> Very <laughs> nice. <laughs> and um, you, you played with uh, a lot of guys during your time at UCLA, but even after that, um, one thing that stuck out to me about your career and from the book is is you get drafted um, to like two different days. I guess they had two different leagues. The day they were two days apart. How, how did <laughs> it's kind of hard to believe now, just because the NBA is so big and you know, it, right. it'd be kind of hard to even imagine any other kind of basketball league coming about, but how, how was that? What was that experience like? And obviously there were some decisions that had to be made there from reading uh, some of your book. It sounded like, you know, obviously it, does, it doesn't hurt to be drafted by two different teams. Right, right, right. Well, back in those days, there were two leagues, mm -hmm. the NBA ABA. And a lot of the a lot of what you see in the NBA now were things that they took from the ABA, the three point mm -hmm. shot, right. um, cheerleaders on the sideline, uh, the slam dunk <laughs> contest. The NBA had none of these things. Those were all ABA things. Mm -hmm. And when the two leagues merged about four years after that, uh, Denver um, San Antonio, uh, the Jazz, and I think the Nets 
were the four franchises that came into the NBA as whole franchises, but the other ABA players got dispersed. And you had, you know, guys like uh, uh, Julius Irving and George Gervin. There were some great, great players uh, that went into the ABA, David mm -hmm. Thompson. But the two leagues bid against each other. So when Kareem graduated, for example, he had one big offer from the ABA and one from the NBA. He wasn't going to get into a bidding war, so he took, you know, he took the one with the Milwaukee Bucks. Right. Now, wrong. I had no such offers. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I was drafted by two different teams, the mm -hmm. Cleveland Cavaliers, and then the, the they were the Denver Rockets at that time. Okay. But when they came into the league, Houston already had the Rockets. Right. So they Nuggets. Okay. I never do that. See, look at me learning stuff here on here on my own podcast. I'm learning stuff. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Um, one thing that I found interesting, even kind of just looking up some some different things, seeing when you were last like kind of in the news or different things. I, I think you did you guys have a 50 year reunion? I think I saw recently yes. you got to catch up with some of the guys. I believe Bill Walton and, and and some of the others. What was that experience like? And was that maybe the first time a lot of you guys were in the same room for, for some time? Well, you know, because of COVID, we did not have a chance to have the reunion for the 71 team. Uh, UCLA brought every decade they would bring back mm. championship teams, mm. you know, to celebrate that team and winning the championship. And then we would get introduced to our, you know, our current fans at halftime of, you know, whichever game we were playing. So 71, we couldn't do that because of COVID. We did it last year and then we did it this year for the 73 team. And both years, every living member of the squads uh, came back. Wow. And, you know, James, to me, it, it's a it's a tribute to Coach Wooden mm -hmm. because you 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 play college and this is 50 years ago. Um, but it meant enough to all of us because we're brothers. We had that shared experience through him um, that 50 years later, guys came from all over the country uh, on their own dime mm -hmm. to together you know, to have dinner and to celebrate what happened 50 years ago. It's right. pretty. Um, and, and what is it like? I mean, is it, you guys just kind of like, like pick up, like it maybe there wasn't maybe 20, 30 years between maybe even seeing some of these guys and whatnot. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you, for some, you may spend one, two, one season, two season, three seasons together, but regardless of how far apart you guys are after that, it seems like though they're just what happens in those three years. There's so much memories. You can just pick up right where you left off. Right. We did. And, you know, all of us are a little grayer. We're moving a little slower. You know, as we <laughs> share stories, some of us were reaching for our reading glasses. <laughs> brought their grandchildren with them. But, you know, once we kind of got with each other, we started telling stories. Oh, mm -hmm. then it, you know, we're, we're right back in that locker room or we're on the team bus or we're on the court. With those little things that went on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. each other. But it's like no time has ever passed. You know, it's it's 50 years. We've seen each other 10 years ago, but it's just great to be around. It feels like you're like being at a family reunion. Mm -hmm. And you and you you said after like, you know, after you guys kind of have I mean, you guys go to you guys went to a current UCLA game. Yes. Correct? What, yes. what was that like? I'm sure even after you were coaching, I know you got into broadcasting a little bit. So you had been in poly several times, even after coaching whatnot. But even just to the current, you know, to current day, you know, what is it like to still kind of be back in Pauly? Um, do the memories just start flowing back of your time playing? What, anytime you step foot on campus again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You When I walk in the Pauly Pavilion, the first thing that I look at 
is that UCLA on the floor because I think mm-hmm. of all the hours that I spent <laughs> yes. on that court and then coaching, mm-hmm. you know, for the 11 years that I, I, I was there. And then I look up at those banners because there's three of them, 71, 72, 73 mm-hmm. championship banners that hang there that I was a part of. And, you know, you, you, you automatically get a little pride. You know, you kind of swell up. (laughs) (laughs) Your chest starts to, you know, poke out a little bit more. (laughs) And the the cool thing about going back now and seeing Mm -hmm. the current Bruins, it takes a special group because those kids know what's expected of them. They're not expected, Mm -hmm. you know, to finish second. And that's good to go deep into the tournament. They're expected to win. And they practice and they play underneath those banners. So when we go in as former players, we know exactly how they're being looked at. And then, you know, as, as alumni, we look at them the same way. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Great feeling. And it's a unique brotherhood to wear those four letters. And I think when we go, we all of us come back, I think the current team, they realize how important this is. Mm-hmm. And, and I know a lot of them think, you know, in 50 years, I hope that we're doing exactly what those guys are doing. I was going to say, I think that's like, that's part of it, right? When you start seeing alumni kind of come back and you realize like, like this is like, if you're a current player or something, you're like, this is, this kid, this is going to be me. You know, I'm, I'm going to come back. I'm still going to be representing these same letters and colors 50 years later. Like it means something. And it shows by the guys who continue, you know, to return back or come back, you know, Bill Walton is Bill Walton, but I mean, that doesn't stop him from coming back and, and supporting nope. the school, you know, regardless and loving his school, outspoken one way or another, uh, <laughs> wherever he stands. Right. But there's always going to be love there. Um, one thing that I do find interesting, it was kind of and we'll kind of use it as a transition, as you mentioned, um, is is the standard held at UCLA and, and people are going to know you um, for you, especially because of the time you spent there. Uh, but I saw a clip of a news report of of you being co- uh, you coaching high school, you were co- coaching girls basketball. Um, and it was so interesting to hear them kind of talk about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, like we didn't know who Larry Farmer was, but all the parents, I guess, were all excited about it. But <laughs> but how different was it for you to where like, you know, when you play at UCLA and then you coach at UCLA, there's that standard. You talk about people know who you are. Maybe there's even, you know, oh, you played for Coach Wooden. You, co- you were on his staff. So... You're, the expectation of you is maybe you're the next uh, John Wooden or whatever. But when you when you go to play or you're coaching at the high school level, you know, they have math classes and science classes and other things to worry about. And they're not really, you know, you're, you're just the new coach. Um, right. Was there maybe like, is there less pressure? Is it you know, maybe more pressure? I mean, I like, well, how, how much was it maybe a little bit more freeing because there there aren't as many cameras. There aren't, you know what I mean? Like. Right. You're just right. going back. It's just playing basketball at that point. Yeah. And, and, and I, James, I'd always wanted to be a high school coach because mm-hmm. I thought at, at some level, that's where you really have a chance to be a, an influence and have an impact, you know, on a youngster's life. When mm-hmm. being a college coach was great. I did that for 44 years. Uh, but when you get them um, at the college level, and I coach men, they were you know, mature to a certain degree, their games had developed, which is why they had been recruited. So there wasn't a lot of changing, a lot of molding, a lot of of, of things that you could prepare, you know, Mm -hmm. them for. High school was different. And what was fun 
this year for me to coach high school girls basketball is like you said, the girls had, I, I remember some of the girls came in after one, after one day of practice and he said, well, coach, yeah, we finally figured out who you were. We Googled you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I laughed. I said, and, and, and that means, and right. they started, <laughs> I'm just your coach. Right. But right. really things, what was really cool about coaching this year is I had the girls, 16-year-old girls, because my oldest uh, girls were all juniors. Mm -hmm. They were saying things like, quoting Coach Wooden, be quick but don't hurry. Be on time when time's involved. It's amazing how much can be accomplished when no one's concerned over who gets the credit. Mm -hmm. So all of those things that I learned and I taught at UCLA and every place that I've ever coached, mm -hmm. those girls at Woodlands Academy. Right, <laughs> right. His legacy is being carried on. We ran the same offense. We pressed. We did all that X and O stuff. Mm -hmm. But his legacy, the things that he taught us off the court that I was able to share with them. And that's what made it so much fun this year. And is it is it like it is that kind of maybe crazy to you or just hard to even imagine? Like when maybe when you were in their shoes in high school or even when you're in college, like one individual and obviously there's several others throughout your lifetime, but an individual like John Wooden, uh, could have such a impact on your life to where, you know, 50, 60, how many years later, um, mm -hmm. throughout the rest of your life, this, this, at least, the, especially this one individual is always going to be a part of your life in one way or another. Yeah. Like, you know, you're never going to get away from him. Yes. You know, and, and you don't, again, you don't realize it at the time, right. um, but you know, in hindsight, and, and I, I write about this in the book, you know, I had three major, uh, role models, uh, mm -hmm. male role was in my life and one of course was my dad uh, Sam Gilbert and, and the other was coach mm -hmm. and they were men for different reasons that saw something in me of course my dad uh, yeah, yeah. right he was my dad right but he had a, a major role in helping me develop uh into the young man and then coach that I would would, would become um but at the time their influence how much uh, you're taking from them um you don't really know it at the time but then when you grow up and you become a father yourself or you become a coach or you go into business, all of those things then really start to make sense. It's amazing how fast you grow up mm -hmm. when all of a sudden you have responsibilities of yeah. your own and you revert back to those things that you learned. Yeah. And it's, wow, I didn't know Coach Wooden was that smart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I've, I've been going I, I lost my dad uh, we're coming up on a year now and and some of what you said there is really true where you you take on more responsibility and it all kind of hits you and then you're also just kind of like all the things that he taught you even though maybe you didn't think he was teaching you you were just like you're just like oh dad why are you making me do this again but what you don't know is they're in he's instilling stuff in in, in inside of you and then you kind of remember the things that they tell you and the different, and, and that goes, whether it's a father figure or a coach or whatever, like those things stick with you. And at the time either you just, why is he making me do everything? But Absolutely. it, it, it kind of goes over time. Right. So yes. that's, that's, that's super interesting. Um, the, the book um, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with people who, who have written books recently. I've had a couple of colleagues who've written books as well. And I always like to kind of pick their brain about it because I know it's not an easy process. And and you have to know before you even decide, like when you're deciding a, what to, you have to decide, you have to know you have enough to do a book, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously for you, I mean, that may have not, not been a problem just considering the experiences you've probably had over your lifetime. But 
Um, what are maybe two or three things that you learned about yourself throughout the process of writing this book? Uh, that's another really good question, James. You know, I, 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 despite what I did for a living, have always been a very private person. And when you work, uh, play in the public eye, um, you know, there's a certain amount of your privacy that you give up. Mm -hmm. But then you cling to the rest of it. Yeah. And so one of the things that I learned when I started to write this book, because I wanted to, to write an honest account of my experience, well, you, you know, you look in the mirror and you say, well, how much of myself do I really want to expose? Right. You know, are some things that I share in the book that I've not shared with people that, you know, weren't in my very inner circle. And so you want to write a, a, a book about yourself. How much of yourself are you willing to share? Mm -hmm. And like you said, I had a lot of stories and a lot of experience, but was that going to be enough to interest uh, right. public? <laughs> right. I think it's maybe yeah, right <laughs> you know and that's me mm -hmm. and then the other thing that um i felt was really important was to tell to tell the story about the ucla dynasty but really personalize it um you know everybody's heard stories about coach wooden or bill walton or swin right. nader you've heard the stories you've seen the personalities mm -hmm. What were these guys like in the locker room? You know, how did we interact as teammates right. in practice? And I, I wanted to take the reader inside to show them how much fun we had. Yeah, you know, well, there must have been a lot of pressure, and you guys played at UCLA and you won. But yes, we had fun too. Mm -hmm. And that's the part of the book that I thought would really interest. If you like basketball, if you don't, it was those personal interactions between us players. So those were really the first two things. It's I wanted how much was of myself was I going to share and then giving those that inside look into, you know, what it was like to set in Coach Wooden's office. Gotcha. And um, one final question about the book. What would you say is maybe the most important or meaningful chapter to you? Or maybe if there's like a chapter that, um, you know, someone's picking up the book or like, hey, this is the this is, you know, if there's if there's any chapter you read, obviously read, read the whole book. But if there's one. <laughs> If there's one chapter that is like, you know, the kind of the one for you or the backbone of your book, what what what, what would you say that is? Yeah, James, that's a great question. Well, you know, the, the title of the book is Role of a Lifetime. Mm -hmm. A lot of players, including me, when I was playing, didn't like to be referred to as a role player. You know, mm -hmm. there's a connotation. Either you're a star or, you know, you yeah. sit on the what's a role player. Right. And. I learned the value of that, what, how important that was when I became a coach myself. Mm -hmm. And so I, in the book, there's a mini chapter that talks about role players. Mm -hmm. And I titled the book like that because that's what I was. And in that chapter, if you're a coach, if you're a player, if you're an administrator, uh, if, if, if you're just a, a guy that's working for somebody else, it shows you the value of your role. Mm -hmm. And if you, in that you make everything else work there have been no championship teams football basketball baseball without superstars but then there are all those other players that mm -hmm. hold the franchise together that makes them a great franchise mm -hmm. you know there's no accident that the only player in the history of college basketball with an 89 and one record is not a guy that was ever a superstar it was a guy that was a role player right that role and i think 
players or coaches read that. If they read that chapter, it's really the backbone of the book about sacrificing and your willingness to work hard and work for the greater purpose. Awesome. Good stuff. Um, as we kind of wrap things up, uh, we, we got to talk. We, we kind of teased it a little bit. I, you know, I'm still a little upset about my bracket, as I mentioned. Um, <laughs> it, it's funny because, you know, I have a lot of UCLA fans who listen to the podcast and that are going to listen to this conversation. And um, I like to kind of keep it fun and interactive with them. So we did a bracket group. Obviously, most of them picked UCLA. So the smart move on me was I'll have UCLA go into the Sweet 16. I had them beating Gonzaga in my bracket. Um, but that that was that's kind of where it started turning south for my bracket a little bit, though, once Gonzaga got the best of UCLA there. But um, I mean, one, are you filling out a bracket? Do you keep up with the tournament? Do you keep up with with UCLA current day? Just, you know, how how involved are you with college basketball today? I guess is my question. Oh, I love college basketball. And this is one of the few years that I didn't do a bracket. I, I okay. do one every and usually it's a disaster, just like this one would have been if I'd done one this year. Mm-hmm. I always pick UCLA. Um, my bracket usually gets destroyed when I go with somebody um, like I have in the past. Uh, I would have gone with Alabama for sure. I would mm-hmm. have gone with Houston. Um, I definitely uh, uh, would have gone with Purdue. Uh, you know, Coach wouldn't play for Purdue. Okay. And my bracket been shot to head just like everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And anybody can win. It's only one game. Charles Barkley always says it. The best teams are winning the best of seven. You know, you the best team is usually going to win that. But March Madness, it's it's one. It's one yeah. game, mm-hmm. which makes Coach Wooden did all the more amazing. Seven championships in a row. Yeah. And 10 in 12 years. Amazing. And like, I mean, especially maybe as a coach, that does that kind of put in perspective like, oh, you know. I mean, as a coach, maybe you're not embracing the underdog role, you know, or, or the, the buzz going into a game of, yeah, my team's the underdog. But, like, you see it in the tournament, and even when you're making a bracket, it's so easy to go with the favorites, right? And, like, it's right. like, well, duh, like, you know, who else are you going to go with? But you you always got to account for it. For me, I can't pick Kansas because they've done me wrong so many times. I, I think they won it, like, last year. And and I'm like, all right, I'll take that. I, you know, I don't mind losing out on that one if you're going to win the championship. But every year I pick them. So I didn't pick them this year and it served me right again. They they didn't make it as far as I thought. So um, I, I I feel good about that one. But just, you know, there's always going to be these upsets. And you you have the team like Princeton kind of stand out. San Diego State is, is in the final four. And I don't think yep. as many people would have thought they were going to be one of the teams in it. Um, is I think FAU, I think they got knocked out, um, if I remember correctly. But there's still like another upset team. This is a lot of people are saying this is the most kind of random or unexpected kind of group of final four teams uh, maybe in some time but like how how do you kind of approach that as a coach like maybe if you're a 16 seed and you're going up against a one seed or something like no we always have a chance we're in the tournament like like how what do you tell your play how do you kind of approach that going in when you know maybe you're seated as a underdog yeah you know you, you, you for one you know this is it's a big deal to make the, the tournament you know mm-hmm. because everybody wants to and and and, and only 64 teams, you know, make the tournament. And then it's a new season. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Coach Wooden always said there are, three, there are three seasons. You have the preseason, you have your league, and then you have your postseason. Well, when you make the NCAA tournament, everybody's starting out with the same record. Everybody's mm-hmm. zero. And it, it's, it's not what you did in the past. It's what you do in those 40 minutes. Right. Uh, you see kids playing. They had nothing to lose. Um, mm-hmm. 
come in and you know, like Gonzaga came in a couple of years, yeah. they were ranked, they were undefeated, and they're mm -hmm. carrying weight, you know, of, of the pressure. Uh, we know that, you know, as a UCLA guy, that mm -hmm. we ranked number one at the beginning of the season, undefeated, going into the final four. So there's a certain amount of pressure and expectation. But for the underdog, man, they're happy to be there. Yeah, I mean, right. they, you know, well, we, you know, they had a great season because mm -hmm. they picked them to be there in the first place. Mm -hmm. So they certain calm and a certain freeness that mm -hmm. those kids play with. Right. And that's the last four years you've seen two 16 seeds beat one seeds. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. No, that that's a that's a good point. And I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, hey, the season's already longer than everyone maybe expected it to be. So, you know. We're not just happy to be here, but hey, we're here. Let's make yeah. the most of it, right? Make and and health kind of comes into it too. I mean, we kind of saw some of that with UCLA. They got kind of banged up there. But I, I was even kind of surprised with the way Gonzaga kind of ended. You know, Gonzaga come beats UCLA, and um, we kind of saw UCLA get depleted in that game a little bit, or, or it kind of showed in that game. But then mm -hmm. you have Gonzaga not really kind of show up in their next game either. Like it's just so. Yeah. How do you, how, like do you do you know kind of what I mean? Obviously, you're not part of the program, but like, right? What happened? Like, how right. does that happen? Yeah, as an outsider, you just kind of think you know it uh, in a, in a in a boxing um, to you know like to to kind of paraphrase a boxing term, mm -hmm. you know, it it took a lot of steam out of Gonzaga to beat us, even though yeah. we were, and you don't know how much of an emotional toll that took on them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, getting getting guys prepared to play, you try to avoid the highs and the lows. You're in the tournament, and this happened to Gonzaga when they beat us. You know, with the uh, half court shot uh, a couple of years ago. Right. You know, they had a great game against us, and then in the final game, they were a shell of the way they they looked against us, and it was mm -hmm. similar. Now, Timmy got in foul trouble, yeah, but it was it looked like two different teams, and and it goes back to what I always say. People get psyched up to play against UCLA. Yeah. You're going to get their A game. And I don't, you know, again, Mark Few is, Coach Few is a great coach. Um, he's been to the tournament every year, I think, that he's been, <laughs> been at Gonzaga. Um, but it just seems to me like we we take a lot out of them. And they're not the same team that I see against us as I see when uh, the game after us. Very nice. And I couldn't have said it any better. That's why you're Larry Farmer. Um, and, and Larry Farmer, again, thank you so much. We're running out of time. I, I could spend a whole nother hour with you, but um, hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Um, I'm sure there's so many different stories you have. You could probably do another book. Um, and if you do, we'd be more than happy to have you on. But even if you don't do another book, we'd be happy to have you on anytime. Thank you so much, Larry, you. For, for taking the time to just talk basketball with us. And uh, we covered a lot of ground and I learned some things along the way. And I look forward to reading the rest of this book. And for those who are interested in the book, I'll put a link in the description so you guys can go ahead and get the book. And the book again is called Role of a Lifetime, Larry Farmer and the UCLA Bruins. And there's a lot of names in it. There's a foreword. Um, there's even an afterword from some guys, some names that you'll know and whatnot. So I definitely recommend you guys check out this book. Larry, again, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thanks, James. Have a terrific day. Thank you. Awesome. You too. I cannot thank Larry enough for being on the podcast. Again, something a little bit different this week from what we're normally doing. Obviously talking about UCLA football and spring football is right around the corner. So we will be talking about that 
in a couple of episodes. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, with it being March Madness and all that, felt it was a little, you know, be a little nice to kind of get some basketball talk going and, and kind of talk to Larry there. So he was great. Um, we'll try and have him on again, uh, maybe as we kind of get ready for the basketball season or something else in the future. But he will definitely be back on the show at some point. He was great to have, great to talk to. Uh, that was my first conversation with him and hopefully the first of many, as I mentioned. So, again, a special thanks to Larry. And thank you guys for listening, tuning into the show. Make sure you guys are going and leaving a review or a comment, letting people know what you think about the podcast so others know Um what they have in store when they click play on the podcast. Um, with that being said, as I mentioned before, link in the description below of this podcast with uh, the link for the book, where you can get it. Also, everything you need in terms of socials, the T-shirts and the Believe Network shop, everything you need to rock with us, support us, and be here for the ride, both me and Josh, uh, as we kind of go through this upcoming football season together. We went through one season together. We welcome you all to join us for the second season of coverage. With that being said, hope you guys enjoyed the conversation again. We will be back next week. Uh, hopefully, we're, we're looking to have a, another guest on, um, obviously, as we kind of gear towards the NFL draft and kind of everything that goes on with that. And then, obviously, as I mentioned, we're not that far removed. Um, a couple days away, actually, now that I look at the calendar, from the start of spring football. So I'll have some coverage on that. Uh, maybe we'll talk about some of that. I think our next episode will probably come out while I'll be a few days into practice at that point. So uh, we'll get some early thoughts on that and, and we'll see where we go. So again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Another episode of the Believe in UCLA football podcast presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.